Welcome to the Iron Society podcast, where we build men of God to become husbands and fathers that change the world. No man should have to struggle through life alone or lacking the tools they need to win and dominate life. Every week, we will bring you an inspiring and actionable conversation that will forge you into the man and leader God has called you to be. Welcome to the Iron Society. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Iron Society podcast. I'm Cody. Nick he, Milligan here. There we go. I, I And I made sure to introduce myself because last week Nick was like, I had to point out. You didn't introduce like, yourself, dude. And I'm like, what do you want? Bro, our names are literally right under the podcast. This is true, but yeah. Consistency, and, bro. Yeah. And if, if you ever question who Cody and who Nick is on here, Oh, the more sexy voice is me. Here we go. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> the more, And if you ever hear somebody... <laughs> Oddly breathing, breathing out of their nose. Me. That's Nick. <laughs> we were just we were just talking about that right before recording. Yeah, you're like, welcome. Hey, dude, stop breathing into the mic like a creeper. Yeah. Anyways, ah uh, man, we're sitting here. I I'm two and a half cups of coffee in. We are we are caffeinated. We're caff sure. like we are straight caffeinated. Thank you, Black Rifle. Yes. Um, and we worked out this morning, crushed a back workout. And we're getting ready. And it's just like, that's how we get ready for these podcasts. Got to hang out with the 406 Barbecue dude. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Stefan, Stefan. If you're ever in the Flathead Valley up here in Montana and you have an opportunity to eat at 406 Barbecue, you absolutely need to. First of all, Stefan is the most muscular pit master I've ever seen in my life. He's huge. We found him months ago when we were at that yeah, rodeo. Yeah, bumped into him at the Longhorn and When thing. I was vlogging, yep. Yep. and then we found out he goes to the same gym as us. Yep. He's a believer. Yeah. And he's super cool. And we just found out he's doing another event here where he is smoking bear. bear. It's fantastic. And I'm like, Can't and it's wait. at, it's at, at some at place, the that, at the Highland yeah. Games. Oh, we're going, dude. I'm going to wear a kilt. We're going. And eat some freaking bear. Yes. It's going to be awesome. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about... A topic that is is kind of, I, I would want to say it's near and dear to my heart, but there's two sides to it for me if we start talking about it a lot. But it has to do with embracing discomfort. Mm. Because in the world today, just in general, the general population, men and women, and especially Americans, I would say, we try and seek the most comfortable life that we can. Oh, that's right? the American dream in, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. We don't want it hard. We want things easy. Yes. And one of the best books, by the way, and this isn't even in our notes, but there is a book by Michael Easter called The Comfort Crisis. Have you read that, Nick? Uh, no, I don't think I have. I think I might have told you about it, but I didn't like send it to you. It, by far, in 20, what, this is 2023, in 2021, it was the best book of the year for me. Mm. Um, it, it was incredible. I binged, I binged listened to it. Um, it. It goes through, it is wild. It is wild. So if you've never read The Comfort Crisis, you need to go read it because even in there, he talks about a ton of mental disorders that have come out from seeking comfort and people mm. trying to live comfortable lives um, and how it is just crafted, especially Americans, to be these overweight, diseased, mentally ill people. And a lot of people like to point to a lot of different things for those outcomes. But ultimately, what the research and science is showing is that people that seek lives of comfort and seek comfort at all costs, those are the outcomes they get. Yeah. They're, 
they're mentally they're mentally weak. Um, they struggle a lot with depression and anxiety. Um, there, there's just so many things. What's the old adage? Uh, hard times make hard people. Yeah. Good times make soft people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's kind of where we're at in our in 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 America's history. Like, it's never been better in a lot of ways. Yes. I think a lot of people will also argue it's never been worse. Yes. But you know, we've been pretty successful as a country for a long time. You know, people for the most part. I mean. You know, even if you are some amongst you know the poorest in the country, you're still a lot richer than most of the world. Yeah, you're still in the top ten percent of the world. Right. So, at the end of the day, I think you know the majority of us live a pretty easy life compared to our ancestors. Yeah. And the reason we're starting to talk about this was because on last night's Iron Society call, toward the end of it, we we're talking about loving our wives, the love languages, because we're going through a big marriage series right now on how to just really become a lighthouse and example marriage. Yeah, it's been good. And one of the guys was talking about having trouble speaking his wife's love language and struggling with it and blah, 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 all this stuff. And I said something that I heard my buddy, Kyle Carnahan, tell me recently. And he said, the man who can sit the longest in discomfort will always win. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what he meant by that, and I'm not sure 100% what he meant by that, but how I took that was... sure. A man that can embrace discomfort, whatever kind, I mean, and we can talk about various kinds, Yeah. but the man that can sit and be uncomfortable the longest will win. At, hands down, every single time, they will ultimately get to their desired outcome before other people, or when other people quit, they won't, right? And it, it all comes down to how uncomfortable can you be for how long in different in different areas. Another way to phrase it, I think, would be like enduring adversity. 100%. Right? Like yes. You are able to remain calm, cool, and collected in light of chaos around you, yes. for instance. Yes. And for me, the ultimate example of this is Jesus, right? Oh, sure. You, I mean, you want to talk about discomfort, right? The Garden of Gethsemane, before he's getting ready to go on the cross, I mean, so, so full of just anxiousness about the whole process, right? Um, he's literally sweating blood. Which is a real It's a real condition. condition. It's a real medical condition. Yeah. It's when you are under tremendous amounts of stress and duress, you will get to this point. I've never gotten to the point where I'm sweating blood, right? However, and then you go watch him care, get whipped, endure the cross, all of this. He, endure, he was able to sit in discomfort that long, right? Yeah, and... And state at the end of it, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah. Right? Like, to have even the mental capacity at that point, while you're barely able to breathe because you're slouched on a cross, yep. you've been, you know, stabbed and everything else, just, it's crazy to me. Yeah. And, he, and this is the big point I would want to make for why Christian men must become better at embracing discomfort. It's not for you. Because especially looking at the example of Jesus, he did not embrace the, the, the discomfort of the cross for himself. It was not for him. Right. It was for the sins of the world, yep. right? That is why he endured. And even scripture says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, despising its shame. It was for somebody else that he endured. And for Christian men, I want to tell you, the reason you need to get good at suffering and the reason you need to good, get good at embracing discomfort, embracing suck, and becoming uncomfortable and sitting in it 
is so that you can serve those around you at the highest level possible. If you are not willing to go through discomfort in a lot of different areas, your ability to serve other people will suffer. That was his whole mission. He came to seek and save the lost. 100%. Right? He came, you know, as the spotless lamb to be sacrificed for us, substitutionary atonement. Yes. And that's... That was the whole goal. And, yes. and if we're truly supposed to fall after Christ, then we need to be doing the same. That doesn't mean, you know, don't tie this into some prosperity gospel where we need to suffer and have nothing and, you know, only, you know, just do this woe is me, you know, shenanigans. But it's being able to endure so you can ultimately be able to provide more for those around you. Yes, yes. And because if you, if you are not willing to sit in discomfort and sit in the struggle and fight through it and grow your capacity for sitting in discomfort, you will always have a lid on your ability to serve others because as soon as the challenge gets just hard enough, right, when it's just hard enough to keep loving your wife or it's, you're, you're just tired enough and you don't want to play with your kids or you know you need to go get that extra certification to get that promotion, or, you know, you still got 20 pounds to lose and you just can't sit in the discomfort of being hungry another night or whatever it is, you will only ever achieve so much. And all of those things are to serve other people. Yeah. And if you can't do that, the people around you are going to end up suffering because you are not choosing to endure discomfort so that you can serve them better. Yeah. You're leveling up for those around you. 100%. Right? You're, you're enduring whatever it is that you need to do, right? Like, <clears throat> it makes me think it's just, you know, whether it's you're comfortable in your complacency, uh, whether or not, you know, you are truly taking on the challenges that you know you need to be doing. I mean, let's face it. Most of us know what we should be doing. Yes. We're just not willing to put ourselves in, an, in the situation that it requires to get it done. Yes. Because of... Comfort because yes. of the you the the current status quo is known. Mm-hmm. It's safe. Yes, right. You put yourself in a new situation where you're needing to learn a new skill or do you know this different thing that's you don't ha- you're not familiar with. That unknown creates this fear ultimately, right? Yes. And which fear is uncomfortable. Yes. Right. So overcoming some of those fears and whatnot is is so important to be able to move to the next, take the next step. Yeah. And whatever it is you're looking. Yeah. To, and to do. and to piggyback on that, the the actual fear comes from your brain. It is a like neurologically and with neuroscience, they have, they have shown it it is your brain because our brains are wi- we are wired in our brains for survival and thriving. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if anything comes as an insult to our brain's ability to survive or thrive, it instantly pushes back on it hmm. of like, this is not safe. I don't know what this is. So we're going to reject it. So one of the things you have to understand when you're going through this process of embracing discomfort, and we're going to talk about a couple ways that you can grow in your ability to do that and how to actually do that. Mm-hmm. But we have to understand first and foremost the thing that is fighting you from doing that is your brain. It's, it's simple neuroscience. So how do you hack that? So, well, now we'll just jump right into like how we do that. Okay. So the first, the first way that I, I, this is my favorite way 
to start to acclimate yourself to discomfort is seek it. You have to seek it. And I call, I call it controlled chaos. Okay. Like you have to seek discomfort and that comes in a, a ton of different ways. Yeah. Right. Um, like for, for a long time, I, I, I was comfortable getting up at, you know, a certain time in the morning. And it's when I first stumbled upon Jocko and all of those guys that I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get up at four 30 in the freaking morning, you know? And the only result for the, you know, the three months that I did that, cause I did it for 90 days. Um, it acclimated me to waking up earlier. And the, the end result is I was just tired. <laughs> like to be honest <laughs> with you, it just made me super tired. Um, I could wake up at 5am. No problem. Be good. For mm. some reason, waking up at four 30, mm. it wrecked me mm. like, and, and granted, right. Jocko's in a different space than I am. Sure. He's in a different season of life. I mean, I have six kids right? A business like it. And it's not that he doesn't have business. He has got plenty of businesses. I'm just a different season of life. Yeah. So waking up at four 30 all the time, like my body just could not handle it. Um, and so I pushed it back to five, you know, but then waking up at five became a whole lot easier Yeah. because I sought this other level of discomfort. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. ultimately when you are seeking discomfort in some way, like you're choosing it because ultimately there's two kinds of, un- there's two kinds of challenge and discomfort. There is chosen and not chosen. Okay. I'm talking about the first one here, seeking it. It is chosen discomfort. I am choosing and I am willingly subjecting myself to a situation or circumstance that is causing some kind of mental chaos and discomfort on purpose. You're intentionally making this plan with the goal of improving. Yes. And, and ultimately it's acclimation, right? Sure. And the, one of the best examples that I could give is when we were going through fire Academy, right? One of our skills days, um, I was, I was in a certain, um, station where we were doing search and rescue, mm-hmm. right? And this particular weekend we were in all, all of our, all of our garb, right? We had our, uh, our bunker gear on, we had our air, air packs on, we were masked up on air. Yeah. Uh, after the first evolution through, I started getting this, this pain in my chest that like was not familiar to me. Right? Well, you're, you're doing work with how much weight on, I, I can't remember what it's it is. It's like a hundred pounds, about a yeah, hundred pounds, you know, and very hot, right? Very it doesn't hot. breathe. Yes. Intentionally. Yes. You're, you've got a mask on and you're, you're feeling like you're not getting enough oxygen, even Correct. though technically you are. Yeah. But because of the work that you're doing, you're, you know, especially if it's new to you, it's difficult. Yes. It, it really, and it begins, begins to be a bit of a mind job on you. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And this, this pain that I was getting in my chest was very, very foreign to me. Like I had never experienced the pain that I was having. And so I'm thinking like, am I having a heart attack right now? Mm. Like what's going on? Yeah. So I kind of, I go to the instructor and I was like, Hey dude, I have this really weird chest pain. He's like, as soon as he hears that anybody in the medical, in the EMS field, your chest pain, it's instant. Like, okay, let's go over here. So I go get checked out. I'm, I'm pulse is good. Everything's good, but they still checked me out. They had the medics come out and run a fight or, you know, the 12 lead on me. Everything was looking good. Went and got checked out of the hospital for, you know, the enzyme that gets released when you have a heart attack. It was negative. Mm. So I, I wasn't having a heart attack yeah. or anything. Yeah. But what happened after that was as soon, we, back at the station, we were doing some more training and I, and I went to go put my mask on. And I got hit with some crazy anxiety, mm-hmm. like to the mm-hmm. point where it was on for 30 seconds. I started breathing and I ripped my mask off. And as a firefighter, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. I went up to, I went up to chief. I'm like, dude, chief, I don't know what's going on, dude, but like, I'm, I'm getting massive anxiety right now. 
And he's like, holy crap, dude, you might have developed mask anxiety from what happened. Um, and luckily, our chief was, I mean, like, Ledoux is just the coolest dude in the world. And he's like, actually, I went through this before. Like, I know what you're experiencing. Mm. And so he told me, he's like, hey, anytime during training, this starts happening, just walk over to me. Let me know what's going on. We'll work through it. Right? Yeah. But one of the things that happened later in Academy was we had a first responder psychologist come in mm-hmm. and start talking about all these psychological things that go on with first responders. And so after the class, I went up to him and said, hey, I got an issue that I got to work through yeah. because I can't, I can't do this, you know? Um, and I told him every time I put my, ma- my mask on now, like I get this massive anxiety and I just rip my mask off and I cannot continue being a firefighter if I'm going to have this right. problem. So he walked me through this thing that psychologists call exposure therapy. So essentially, um, what you do and what he told me to do was he said, take your mask, go home, be in your regular clothing, hold your mask up to your face and just walk around. Right. Not strapped on. Not strapped you're just, on. You're, just, you're in your normal everyday clothes yeah. and all you're doing is holding your mask in to your, your face. Quote unquote normal safe environment. Yes. Right. Yep. And then he's like, from there, you know, put your bunker gear on, hold your mask to your face. Right. Then strap it on. Then walk around with it. Right. Then go hop on the stair mill. Right. And every every step of this exposure therapy, what he, what you're doing, he literally said, you're train you're retraining your brain to know when this mask is on my face. I am okay. Yeah. I'm safe. Um, And what's ironic is it's the thing that keeps you safe. Yes. It's the thing that literally provides the oxygen that keeps you alive when you're in that dangerous environment with the smoke and everything else. Like you need it. Yes. And yet you've somehow managed because of that previous experience, your brain got rewired saying, no, 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 no. This isn't, you know, this isn't safe. This is scary. This is not safe. Yeah. And, and one of our other buddies, Zach Snyder, shout out Zach. I miss that guy. Yep. He sent me this text by Jordan Peterson when he knew I was going through this. Um, and he said, it, the quote was something along the lines of, um, seek out the dragon and kill it before it comes to your home. Mm. And what he was telling me was, is like, hey, dude, keep, keep doing what you're doing because you either go find this dragon and kill it or you're going to be in a fire one day and it's going to come find you yeah. and you're going to be in a, you're going to be in a, the crap's going to hit the fan. Well, and. I think about when if it's coming to your home, that's where your family is, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're at on a fire and you're there with your brothers and sisters, and it happens to you, you might put them in danger too. Hundred percent, right? Absolutely. Like that's yep. Yeah. And so it took a couple months of me exposing myself to this discomfort of having my mask on and having this battle with my brain. And I remember getting onto the stair mill, getting back on air, helmet on, everything. And one of the things the psychologist told me was. This anxiety response can only last about 90 seconds to two minutes Hmm. because of the neurotransmitters and the chemicals that get released. He's like, that's going to be the most uncomfortable psychological space for you Interesting. is 90 seconds to two minutes. So he said, when that anxiety comes, breathe through it, talk yourself through it, and it will eventually subside. And sure enough, the first day I got back on the step mill with it, 45 seconds in, because you crank it to... And, and the purpose was I was trying to elicit anxiety in myself. Yeah, you'd you gone through the, the slower process, the yep. incremental steps. And then I got to the point yeah. eventually where it's, okay, I'm going to force my body and my mind to get scared. Yeah. And I would get there, and I'm like, and I would literally look at my watch. I'm like, okay, 90 seconds. I'd start breathing slower. I'd think myself through it. Cody, you're okay. You're fine. You're not going to die. Everything's okay. You're yeah. good. And in that moment... I was, dis- I was 
embracing incredible discomfort and anxiety. Oh, yeah. Sure enough, 90 seconds to two minutes in, I start to feel my body relax again. I start to feel it good, and we're good to go. And I remember even on um, a fire call that I had had after that, going to the call, I put my mask on. Guess what happened? Mm. I started getting anxious. Sure. And in my head, I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. This is not good. Yeah. And what I did was, you're good, dude. You're good. You're okay. And sure enough, 90 seconds to two minutes later, all goes away and I'm good to go. Yeah. Right. But it was because I had acclimated myself and exposed myself repeatedly to this, to this discomfort. And I had started to raise my bar again to what I could handle. And that for men comes in a lot of different areas. Right. Um, so in one of the easiest ones that I can think of is the physical realm. Sure. Right. Um, a lot of guys, they have a hard time losing weight because they are not willing to sit in the discomfort of being hungry. Yeah. You want to lose weight, you're going to be freaking hungry. Yeah. You right? got to be a caloric de- deficit. Yeah. And so one of the first things I love to put guys on when they are in that mode is an intermittent fasting protocol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the benefits of intermittent fasting or a caloric deficit. It's to say, you're going to force yourself for the first half of your day until noon to learn to deal with hunger. Yeah. And then you can go eat. And you would be amazed at the food addictions that get broken because of exposing themselves to that discomfort and learning it. Mm-hmm. If people can learn to be hungry and acclimate themselves to that discomfort, they get a result, right? Um, so whatever area it is, though, you have to seek some kind of discomfort, right? Um, so for example, I, and I didn't ask you this before, but what's a way that you've recently like you have intentionally sought discomfort in order to feel uncomfortable. Well, I mean, the one that pops in my head the quickest is just the challenge we've been doing in August, right? Uh-huh. Uh, we challenged the guys within 10 minutes of waking up to jump in a cold shower or a cold plunge. Uh-huh. And I had cold plunged a few times yeah. before, but never with any consistency. Yeah. Or probably not within 10 minutes of waking up. Definitely not within 10 minutes of waking up. <laughs> so that that aspect for me was, was going to be a challenge. Yeah. I was like, okay, well this is what we're doing. And I think that's part of why I've been successful at it. It was just, I made up my mind that I will not fail at this. Yeah. I'm going to do it period. End of story. Right. And that in part falls back on who I say I am and how I'm going to show up. Yeah. Right. Going back to our identity code, when I'm challenged, when I'm, you know, facing discomfort, I am already made up. I have already made up my mind how I'm going to respond. Yep. And so in my head, you know, like I said, I, I cold plunged a few times and I yeah. made the mistake of like easing into the, pl- yeah. getting into the, it slow, the plunge, getting it slow. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this time you're just, you're just jumping in. Yeah. So literally I stand there. I, there's no hesitation because in my head, the hesitation only makes it worse. Yes. Right. You're only, well, then you're starting to negotiate with you're, yourself. You're right. You know, <clears throat> And so I walk out, standing on my flip-flops, put my two hands on either side of the plunge, and I literally just hop in, <laughs> straight in. My feet don't touch until my butt touches. Yeah. Like, I'm all the way in, control the breathing within a moment or so, and boom, we're good. And it's just that, that aspect for me has, you know, now 28 days in, 29 days in, yeah. it's not even a thing, yeah. honestly. I mean, it was, I think after the first three it was like, this is just what I do now. Yep. And it's been amazing how there's not even that mental fight when the alarm goes off anymore, right? Because yep. 
those first few days. Oh, yeah. Alarm goes off. You're like, not only do I have to get out of bed, but yeah. I got to go get really cold in 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you're sitting there kind of negotiating. It's like, well, have I, am I really awake yet? Like, yeah. Does my 10 minutes start when I get out of bed yes, or right going- now? <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, the alarm goes off. It's just, you know, rip the covers off, get up and go do my business, and then head out the door to, to go plunge. And it's, yep. just, it's just an automatic thing, and it's conditioned me yep. in a way that it's not even a factor anymore. Yep. I think that's even what I started writing in on my check-in, yeah. you know, stating that I did my, my yep. cold plunge. It was just cold plunge, no factor. Yep. It's, it's just not, it's, I don't even see it as a challenge anymore. Yep. And most guys don't at this point, mm-hmm. right? The first few days, everyone is making a really big deal about it. Yeah. And the past week, people are hardly mentioning it. And it's not because they're not doing it. It's because they have exposed themselves to it. Yeah. They've acclimated to the difficulty. Yeah. And now what used to be hard, they've, they've raised the ceiling of difficulty in their life. Yeah. And it's not hard anymore. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And, and even one of the guys that started off and he was making a, oh, this is hard, this is terrible, this is terrible. He just signed up for some big old Spartan race this next year, right? Right. And I don't think that is, that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For him, he raised his level of, was, of what was difficult and what he thought he could embrace with discomfort. And his natural next step was choosing another next thing challenge. to get uncomfortable for. Yep. And that's what happens when you embrace discomfort is the ceiling raises and you can start to handle more. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I, that's what every man needs is the next challenge. Yes. Right. We need that next challenge to be consistently giving ourselves another thing to, to learn, to add to our tools. Yep. To add to our repertoire of abilities uh, the next challenge could be, you know, learning to code or something, right? Like that to me would be like the ultimate challenge because my yeah. mind currently doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like if I get that, it's kind of interesting. I like that popped out. Like I hear about guys learning to code and I, cause I've kind of looked into it a little bit. I have a few yep. friends that have done it. I'm just, I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like that is such a foreign, I'd go, I'd rather go learn the hardest foreign language yeah. than trying to learn how to code. Which coding is a language. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, but, but what I'm getting at is, is there is an element that is lacking if you are not being challenged. Yes. You are, in my opinion, you're moving backwards. 100%. You, you're losing ground because you're not keeping the tools sharp. Yes. You're not adding to the tools, so you are not as capable as you would be if you continually had a challenge that was making you... Uh, progress. Yes. And this is actually Michael Easter in Comfort Crisis. He talks about this uh, principle. He calls it finding your edge. Mm. And he's like, most people never find the edge of their ability. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he talks about this thing that is, I think it's an old Japanese thing called the Masogi. Okay. And the Masogi is this, it's, it's this rite of passage, basically, where there's two, there's two rules for the Masogi. Um, the first one is you have to have a 50% chance of failing and don't die. Those are the two rules, <laughs> like 50% chance of failing and don't die. Um, and it is a thing. It's a rite of passage for people to, and it's, it, it's a process of finding your edge. Yeah. And most people don't know where the cliff is in their life of how far you can actually go. And it's why, like, I mean, gosh, about four weeks from now, I'm running 32 miles, right? I've never ran a marathon before. Yeah. I've never ran over 17 and a half miles before. But I'm challenging myself. It's, it's, my one, it's my big challenge for the end of the year of saying, 
because I, I honestly don't know if I physically can do it. Sure. I, I've never gotten anywhere close to 32 miles on foot mm-hmm, running. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, and I'm not even doing it to say I've run 32 miles, although I will say that. <laughs> dang, dang well be sure I will let everybody know. You will have that t-shirt. Your boy ran 32 friggin' miles, right? Yeah. But the reason I'm doing it is, is to get to that space of like physical pain, mental chaos of like, can I do this? I want to quit right now. I'm, I'm so physically and mentally uncomfortable. I'm doing it for that right there. And, and I know I won't get there until I'm probably 17 to 20 miles in. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like, I got, tw- I got 12 more miles to go. And I'm going to have to sit in this pain, sit in this, in this discomfort, and fight through and find my edge. And I guarantee one of two things are going to happen. One, I'm, something, is gonna, is something might happen to where I physically cannot keep going, right? Like I, something might happen to my, you know, a tendon or something, right? And it's like, I can't even put weight on my foot anymore, mm-hmm. right? And even then, I'm like, I, I could still think okay, I might be able to battle through this, right? Or I'm going to do it, right? Run, walk, crawl through the pain, whatever I have to do. And I'll get to the end of 32 miles and I'll say, holy crap, I could, I could cover 32 miles on foot. I wonder if I could have gone 33. Sure. I wonder if I could have gone 34. And now the ceiling has been raised because I was able to seek my edge and be in that discomfort. And it proves to me, dude, there's more in you than you thought was possible. We, we are the ones that place limits on ourselves. A thousand percent. Right. I think that's why the challenge is so important because we're testing those limits, mm-hmm. right? And then when we surpass or, or, or achieve the, the goal, we've just adjusted our limits now. Yes. Like you just said, what if I can go 33? Yep. Right? Or, hey, I, I've built this house and I used a bunch of subcontractors. Could I do one on my own? Yep. Right? Or, or whatever it is. You know, I've, I've been able to be successful to this point in business. You know, this is, this is good. However, what if I 10x this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so it's, it's the, it's, it allows you to dream a little bigger yes. because you've seen success. It's, it's now what was unknown is now known. Yes. Right. You hit mile 17 and a half. You're crossing over from every the, from step the known. is a PR at that point. Exactly. You're crossing over from the known to the unknown. And yep. again, the unknown can be scary, scary, so it can, scary. It can be, and it begins to you know weigh on you mentally. Are you really capable of doing this? And every every step you're going to take, you're going to push that limit that much further. Yes, yeah, and and I think not only does it make you more competent, right? Because I think a lot of what we're talking about is gaining competency and confidence. And that was the other thing. Yeah, it gives you another level of confidence because. If there's anything, that, if there's one thing that is, I mean, there's a lot of things lacking in Christian men today, but the confidence to be able to show up and do what is necessary. Yeah. A lot of men just don't believe they can do it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't believe that they could be the hero of the story if they needed to be. Because they haven't tested themselves. 100%. This, and this is why we're talking about this. Yes. We have to challenge ourselves. Yes. We have to test ourselves. We have to. And you know what? You might find at 26 miles, you found your limit, whether it was physically, mentally, whatever. But you know what? How many more miles did you just add to your PR? Yep. 100%. That's a, still a win. Even yes. though you didn't quote unquote meet your goal, you yep. still won the day. Yes. Right? You still forged that much more mental strength and physical capacity 
and you can show up that much more now, right? Yep. And that propels you into other arenas of your life as 100%, well, right? Yes. It gives you that confidence to move forward in the rest of life. Yes. And this is why, you know, like for a lot of people, getting up, waking up in the morning, going to the gym, they're like, let's go. I just crushed it, right? And, and like for guys like you and me, it's just a normal thing we do because we've done that for so long now. That is, that, that is like not e- like just showing up and doing it, it's baseline, right? Yeah. We, and it might be a victory for someone else. And so everybody's at a different place with this, yep. right? It's not like, I'm not going to go out and be David Goggins yeah. tomorrow, no, right? That guy's not human, first of all. <laughs> I, he's, I swear to he's he's got to be a cyborg or some kind of alien technology. <laughs> Didn't we see him on the moon, like passing I, somebody? It was the, Mars. It was Mars, Mars. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the other thing to understand about this conversation is what might be easy for me might be extremely difficult for somebody else. Sure. And what, be, what might be easy for someone else might be extremely difficult to me because I can look at guys like Goggins or Cam Haynes or Chad Wright, for example. Yeah. And they hear you're running 32 miles. They're like, yeah, I just did that for a workout the other day. Right. It was just another day of training. Right. Right. But for me, it's, I, that's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Right. And so this is the part where you need to like have some self-awareness for yourself of where, what is a challenge for me? What would be embracing discomfort for me? And doing it because what will, what will challenge me might not challenge you. And what challenges you might not challenge me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So finding whatever it is for you and seeking it, putting it on the calendar, whether it's daily, whether it's a quarterly Masogi type of thing, whatever it is, doing something regularly. And I personally think that we need to have daily chunks of embracing discomfort and seeking that Mm -hmm. we need to have bigger ones that are quarterly or yearly. and, and every single time it forges something in you, Yeah. right? Like, like another example, burpees. Sure. I hate burpees. Yep. Despise them. I think most people do. They're terrible, right? <laughs> like I remember in, when we owned our CrossFit gym, like it's, if I ever saw like a five round workout and each one had like 20 burpees in it, I'm like, oh God, oh geez, call the medics, get the defibrillator out. We're, we're, we're coming home, Lord, you know? <laughs> Um, and so one, it was, I don't even remember what year it was because I wanted to, I wanted to raise my ceiling. Mm-hmm. I decided I'm going to do a thousand burpees in one sitting. And I ended up doing a thousand and two because I know that some people would have done a thousand. I wanted to outdo them. And some people know that, oh, well, some people did a thousand, somebody do a thousand and one. And I wanted to be that person too. It was just, <laughs> that was a, that was a pride thing at that point. But now if I see a number like 20 or 30 burpees pop up, I'm like, no factor. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I did 1,002 one time. It's yep. no big deal, yep. you know? But it raises your capacity for that. And we have to seek it. We have to. And, and while there is a physical aspect there, the, the most important what we're, thing we're talking about here that I'm hoping everyone's grasping, it's the mental game. It's, it's, it is mental. It is 1,000% mental. Yeah. Yes. So after you have kind of established this seeking out chaos and discomfort, the other piece of this is embracing it when it's unwanted. Sure. Right. That's the other piece because, and, and this honestly, for people that don't seek discomfort, this is the only discomfort they know. Right. Is the one that they don't want. And so, and this is where they uh, associate discomfort so negatively mm-hmm. because they don't intentionally seek it. It's not anticipated. The, it's unwelcome. Yeah. The only uncomfort, uh, the only discomfort that they know is the discomfort that comes 
involuntarily. Right. Right. Oh, your car breaks down and it's an inconvenience or this, that, or the other thing happens. Yeah. Right. So it, it ruins the rest of your day. You're yes. in a bad mood or you've responded poorly to the missus or your boss or, you know, who, whoever, God forbid your kids, you know, yeah. because you've allowed it to affect you emotionally yep. and you've, you know, made, made a poor response, yep. you know, because of it. Yeah. And this is where for me, em- embracing the unwanted discomfort is again, it's mental, but I think there's a biblical model for this in James chapter one, when it talks about count it all joy, my brothers, when various trials come upon you, right? It's like when they come upon you, Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. unexpected, right? right? Now, in in Peter, it talks about don't don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you, as if something odd was happening to you, yeah. right? Expect, so there's expect it to happen, yeah. And and it, there's this level of like I know this stuff is going to happen eventually, right? But in James one, when it talks about count it all joy, in the original language there for count it all joy, the original language is actually conveying this idea of esteeming royalty when it walks in the room. Hmm. So it's this idea of when, when trial or discomfort comes to look at it and be like, oh my gosh, look what just walked in the room. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. Now I'll tell you, I, and I've known this in the original language for years now. And my response is still not, oh my gosh, look at this. This is such an opportunity. We hit a deer in our van. (laughs) We hit a deer in our van after living in Montana for four weeks. And now I can't get it fixed until October 31st. (laughs) So it's like, it, you know, saying this, it's not like somebody just has the corner on the market with being able to respond this way. However, this, I think, is a biblical model for how to respond to unwanted or unexpected discomfort, trials, or difficulty, is starting to get the mental machinery in place where when something like that happens, we look at it and we say, what a gift. What an opportunity. And I think how you get to that point is you have to seek it first is by the seeking everything we just talked about. Because if, if you've already endured trials, if you've already set yourself up and put yourself through the suck for instance, you know, lack of further explanation, your, your response is going to be, it's going to be easier for you to go, okay, just, you know, just stay cool, calm and collected. Yep. We hit the deer. All right is what it is. We'll call the insurance company. Yep. Why we have insurance. Can we get home? Okay. Yeah. Car's still running. We can still get home. Yep. Do the things we need to do. You know, yeah. The car looks like crap for a while. Yep. You know, whatever. You know, we yeah. had a deer. Yep. And instead of going, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh, our day is ruined. And yep. then, you know, you're a jerk to your wife the rest mm-hmm. of the day. Cause you're thinking about the, the you know, deposit or whatever you got to pay to, you know, you're, yeah. you're out this much money because the stupid deer, you know, it just, you just put you in this bad mental space, yep. you know, for the next week for some guys, yep. right. I, I, instead you've already gone through some trials and hardships because you've intentionally put yourself there and you're, you know, you can have a, a mental response that just goes, okay. Yep. And that's how my wife and I responded. Yeah. Right. Because, and this is the other piece and we won't really get into this, but it's one thing for you as the man to seek out discomfort. It's an entirely different beast and ball game when you can get your wife to intentionally seek discomfort with you. Mm. Right. And I'm telling you, I mean, this is where like I is where my wife is just incredible because we have gone through some incredibly difficult things together and it has forged this in her as well to where when we hit that deer a couple months ago, she, she was a little freaked out because it was just like, 
holy sure. crap, what just what just happened, yeah. right? But both of us were just like, yeah, there's no no big deal. We'll take care of it. Like not the end of the world. Yep. Like and just drove home like nothing happened, yep. right? Where we where we like, ah, oh, crap, this sucks, you know? Yeah, because yeah, like it just hit a freaking car. Yeah, but we weren't freaking out like, oh my god, this is the worst thing to ever happen, you know? And to see my wife respond that way. It's because she has sought discomfort, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She has embraced discomfort. And when a couple, when a married couple can respond that way, that, that becomes like an unstoppable marriage because it's not just, oh, the man can respond well and the wife freaks out, but it's like as, as one flesh, you can respond well to stuff like that. Yeah. That, that changes the game. Well, in, in any partnership where you're working together, if, if there's a weak link, yeah. you're only as strong as that weak link. Yep. Right? If you've got to stop and help get them to a place where they're okay, you're, you're no longer putting your effort towards accomplishing the goal. Yep. You're, you're helping get them you know, in a place that they can function again. Yep. You know? And so you're, you're, you're down time, you're down effort, you know, all, all the things. Whereas if, if both those people can, can move forward as if, no factor, then man, how much further are you ahead? Wait, and, and this is, this is why I love working with you in, in whatever con I, it doesn't matter what context it is. We could be out hiking somewhere. We could be helping, you know, I could be over helping building your house or it could be like what happened the other night. We were making food and dinner or dessert. Actually, there was, I, I think there was a combined 14 kids at our house that night oh, yeah, and yeah, six yeah. people. Yeah. And you and I start going to make dessert for people. And the way that we were doing it, right. It, it was a chaotic environment. There's like 13, 14 kids and six adults, right? And I forget it. I don't know if it was your wife, if it was, if it was Jen Hayes, or if it was, I don't know which wife it was, but they, they commented on like how quickly and efficiently we just started figuring it out and getting all of these, these desserts made for 14 kids. Yeah. That right? was Jen. Yeah. yeah. And I literally said, I was like, well, when you've gone into burning buildings before and you've, you know, tried to bring somebody back to life with this person doing CPR, you can kind of figure this crap out pretty easy. Yeah. You know, everyone's got their role. Yeah. Everyone's got their tasks and you know, you trust yep. that the other person is going to handle their responsibilities. Yep. Right. And so you just get in that mode and you know, you, if you take care of your stuff, they're going to take care of their stuff. Thus everything is taken care of. Yes. And this is why when you can, this is where it gets crazy as well. Right. If you are in community with other brothers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you have seen and you know they have embraced discomfort and they have raised their level of what they can handle, your confidence yep. in being able to face anything that comes your way when those guys are around you mm-hmm. is through the freaking, like you are unstoppable, yep. right? And this is the reason why people look at the SEAL teams and special operational teams and they're like, you're, you're absolutely crazy. And I was listening to a podcast from a, a SEAL the other day, and he said, what makes the SEALs powerful is not the individual SEAL. The individual SEAL by himself is only so good. Sure. The reason the SEAL teams are so incredibly revered, it's because you bring, you bring six to 12 of these dudes that have all been through hell together, and you put them together, that's why it, it's... The, the power of the team is more powerful than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Well, right? you've got a cohesive unit yes. that is operating as one. Yes. Right? They are covering all the bases. Yep. Because you can't watch your back. Yes. You're looking forward. You can't watch your back. But you know what? You know, you're, you know that you've got a guy tasked with just that. Yep. So you can move forward confidently. 
because you know someone's got your six. Yep. Yeah. So, and the only way you can build a brotherhood of people that are like that around you is you start leading the way first. Yep. And so wherever you are at in your embracing discomfort journey, you need to take it to the next step and you need to take it to the next level. Not so that you can say, look at me, look at what I can do and look how much suck I can sit in. Mm -hmm. It's so that you can raise the ceiling and raise the water level of what you are capable of with handling so that you can serve other people better. And call up those brothers around you to 100%. do the same, yes. right? Hey, let's do this. Let's do this together. Yes. And that's the only reason why, like, in the Iron Society this month, that, like, I even had any authority to tell the guys that, hey, we're going to take these, these cold showers or plunges, right? Because I've been plunging for a long time. Yeah. And so, it, for me, I was like, hey, you know what? This is an easy way to challenge people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know what it produced in me. I know what it forged in me. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call all these other guys to this level. and it's risen them up or it's raised them up. Yep. And so it's, it's the whole idea of a raise, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. And, but it has to start with you. Yep. It has to start. So the question that you have to answer is what is my next challenge? What is the way that I can start seeking controlled chaos and discomfort now in order to raise that? Yep. Right. If you normalize hard things, hundred percent, they become easy things. Yes. Right. There's, there's so much in life that we see as too difficult. Yes. Too hard, too much time, too much effort. If you actually were to follow through and do it, you would realize there's no two, there's no yes. such thing as T O O. Yeah. In, in so many areas of life. Yep. It's, Oh, that was difficult, but doable. Yep. Yeah. And that's when we owned our CrossFit gym, there were always people that would be in the first week or two and they would ask, when does this get easier? <laughs> and I would always, my response always was, it never gets easier. It's not the goal. You just get better. Yeah. Because the dude that you see throwing around the big weight and going really fast, and that's what I love about CrossFit is it's the great leveler, is it's just as hard for him mm -hmm. as it is for you. Mm -hmm. Just as hard. Because they're going heavier and faster, which makes it just as hard for them as it does you. It looks different because the weight on your bar and your time on the clock, but you both are suffering. Yep. But it, it never gets easier. You're just able to handle it. You're able to handle heavier weight and go faster. Yep. It still sucks. Yep. And that is, I think, what everybody ultimately needs to just understand mm -hmm. is that eventually what, what is hard now gets easier. But in order to keep growing, you have to keep finding the harder. Yeah. Right? So yep. there is never this spot where you raise your hand and you're like, I have achieved the ultimate sure. hard thing. But, but finding that harder thing is, is that next level. 100%. Right? Like that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing. Like you've, you've made a hard thing easy. Now the next hard thing is what enables you to have the promotion at work or enables you to have the better relationship with your wife, you know, so on and so forth. Like it's a beautiful thing. The goal is not to live a soft and comfortable and easy life. Correct. The goal is to live a more fulfilled life, a more successful life, a more passionate life, you yeah. know, so on and so forth, a more enriched life, you know, where you're able to give more, able to help others more, able to enjoy more, you know, all the things that are on our bucket list. You could actually go do them. Yes. If you put some time in here and make these hard things normal. Yep. Yeah. So at the end of the day, 
whatever you have to do to get uncomfortable, to seek discomfort in order to get that to that next level to serve those around you, you need to start doing it now. Yeah. Like don't put it off. Don't wait till Monday to start. Go do something now. Like maybe you can only do 20 push-ups right now and you're listening to the end of this podcast. Get your butt on the floor and do 50 as fast as you can. That is seeking challenge. Yep. That is embracing discomfort because you were not expecting it and I just told you to. <laughs> and by the way, if you get down and do 50 push-ups right now, please, for the love of God, send me a picture or a video on Instagram of like, Cody just told me to do this in the podcast and I'm freaking doing it. You know, like, like it. that would make my day. Yep. So that's all we got. I think so. That's all we got, dude. I like it. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Um, we really do appreciate you guys. Uh, the podcast just keeps growing as far as the listeners. I'm watching the numbers every that's week. That's been great. Um, so appreciate it. Um, give us a follow on Instagram if you haven't already at Cody Chapman at the Nick Milligan. You can always ask us questions there. Yeah. That we 100%. might be able to address on the podcast. hundred percent. So we love you guys. We do this for you, not for ourselves. Um, we're here to serve you. So until next week, we'll see you later. Out. Hey, one thing before you go, if you got any value out of today's episode, we would so appreciate a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening to this podcast, as well as, hey, take a picture with your phone of you listening, take a screenshot and post it to social media. Go ahead and tag me at Cody Chapman, and you can tag Nick as well at the Nick Milligan. Also, if you want to learn more about the Iron Society, you can head on over to ironsociety.co to learn more. We'll see you next week.